Well, no one is self-made, so who's helping you? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, well, welcome in to this week's edition of 48 Days Online Radio. Welcome into September. Hey, we're now moving into the last part of the year. As you know, quickly moving into the end of 2018. We're going to be writing 2019 really quickly here. Well, our business partners today are FreshBooks and Casper. I want to tell you about my friends at those amazing companies here in a little bit. So we're going to dive into some real-life questions. We've got some good news to share this week, as always. Lots of good news happening out there, no matter what it is you're hearing on the radio. We've got good news. So here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Dan, I've been in the same lower management position for eight-plus years. Should I stay or should I go? We'll talk about what you look at in that situation. Dan, what are some ideas for improving or per- repurposing existing ideas for increased profits? How can my husband grow his photography business? Dan, I'm in my late 30s and I've been diagnosed with a chronic condition that makes it difficult to walk or even stand. All right, a lot of meat in those. We've got those and more if we can get to them. But here's our quotation for today. This comes from George Matthew Adams, relates to my opening comment. And George said, there is no such thing as a self-made man. We're made up of thousands of others. Everyone who has ever done a kind deed for us or spoken one word of encouragement to us has entered into the makeup of our character and of our thoughts as well as our successes. Boy, I believe that so much. So our call to action this week is going to be, who are three people you could contact whose resources and advice have the potential to move you forward with your dream? Now, yesterday, In our 40 Days Coaching Mastery Call, we had an amazing group of competent coaches, and we were discussing who are the three people that really open the doors to the success that you're achieving today. And nobody had any difficulty identifying those people. Nobody said, ah, there's really nobody. I did it all myself. Not a chance. Most people said, oh my gosh, I can't limit it to three. But we all had fun identifying who are three people that clearly added to your success. So then the question is, who are three people you could contact? Now we're right here in September. We got September, October, November, December. So we got four months left to really make this year count. And more importantly, get set up for the year you want to happen, 2019. So my question to you is, who are you going to contact that has a potential to really open the door with their wisdom, expertise, and resources to accelerate your own success. You know they're out there. You know you can identify. I mean, you might start with you know Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. You may not be able to get to them, but there are other people that you know that you do have access to that you could readily spend a little time with. You might be amazed at how that power drives your success. Well, we'll continue that as the themes will go through, but our partners today, again, are FreshBooks. I mean, you hear me talk about small business owners. I'm one of you. I'm just like you. Wow. As we anticipate coming to the end of the year, even just finishing up, I had a, uh, I had a funny thing happen. I had 
uh, somebody who paid me twice and it was a pretty substantial amount. Well, I didn't catch it. They didn't catch it. And all of a sudden we're up to another pay period and something came up and they realized they had paid me twice. Well, I was mortified that we hadn't let that happen. Now, the only reason it, it would have been caught, it just hadn't been caught yet because my bookkeeper looks at the previous month and she would have caught it and we would have, but it was, it was thank goodness we have good accounting records. Well, that's what you can expect with fresh books. Do yourself a favor, you know, stop digging through all those papers you've got on your desk and all the receipts from six months ago. Now you ought to be able to stay up to date. Need to send your accountant a quick summary the amount of tax you've collected last year or so far this year, you know, how about pulling together a profit and loss summary? I mean, do you really know what your business or what you personally netted last month? If you don't, you need some help. Well, you know, I want you to go to fresh books right now. They, they make it so easy. It's especially made for people like me and maybe you who don't like dealing with numbers and their taxes. So FreshBooks is offering that 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. Uh, to claim it, just go to FreshBooks.com slash 48 days and then enter 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, it's FreshBooks.com slash 48 days and then just put 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. You'll see a cute little thing there that pops up for 48 days listeners. Just check it out and get going. Keep yourself in good shape financially with your records, uh, whether you're an employee or whether you're a freelancer, consultant, entrepreneur, business owner, doesn't matter. You need to do that. Well, I have no problem talking to you about Casper. You know, I'm a fan of Casper, uh, Chris Niemeyer, one of the guys in my mastermind and uh, just moving from Oregon to Florida. I'll put up a note the other day and he said, Hey, we need to buy a new mattress. What should I do? Wow. No problem for me to jump in there. I mean, this is not just a promo for a podcast sponsor. This is telling him, Joanne and I tried it out. We didn't promote Casper just because they wanted to be a podcast sponsor. We said, we can't promote something that we don't believe in ourselves. You'll have to send us one. They did. We waited another three or four months to really test it out. And then based on our experience, you have been promoting it now for several years. But that's certainly what I recommended to my buddy, Chris, and you as well. I'm actually dealing with a little back issue right now, and we've been traveling some, and I was counting the days to get home so I could sleep in our Casper mattress, knowing the kind of sleep, that how my sleep is going to be enhanced, rather than in a hotel and Airbnb mattresses that you're likely to get that are unpredictable. We have our Casper set up exactly as we want it. And I would encourage you to do the same. You know, you spend about a third of your life sleeping, so you better be comfortable. And that's what Casper does. Make sure that you're going to be super comfortable. They have affordable prices because they cut out the middleman, sell directly to you, delivered right to your door. You know the routine there comes right to your door. How can you beat that kind of a deal? Well, you can get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash sleep you love and using sleep you love at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Again, you know, get $50 toward the mattress you choose. Now shipping is free, but $50 toward the mattress you want by visiting casper.com slash sleep you love and then using sleep you love at checkout. All right. 
Well, let's let's jump into some good news things here. There, there's some really interesting things going on, and sometimes I want to combine just a workplace trends or new technologies with good news. This is kind of a combination. The New York School of Medicine just now. This is a very prestigious medical school. Just announced that it is offering full tuition scholarships to all current and future students in its MD degree program, regardless of need or merit. This is a bold effort to simultaneously address the rising cost of medical education and still attract the best and brightest students to careers in medicine. Now, here, here's what's happening. It's, it's not difficult to figure out what's happening here. There are a lot of competent kids who, in choosing careers, are avoiding careers like medicine because they know they're going to come out. The average student loan debt, God, I've got that here somewhere. The average student loan debt of a medical school graduate is $202,000. Now, who wants to strap themselves with that? So a lot of people who would choose that as a career are saying, nah, you know, I'm not going to borrow that kind of money and have my, uh, my uh, choices so limited based on the restrictions of having that kind of student loan debt that I then have to pay back. I mean, what if you want to go serve in an underserved area? whether it's in the United States or in Costa Rica or Haiti or some, you may not even have that option because you get that student loan hanging over your head. Well, so New York University has decided they're going to fund it in other ways and allow the tuition. Now, you still have room and board, but that's going to be greatly reduced, obviously, where tuition is absolutely free. That's kind of a gutsy move. You know, now what, what I, I'm not a fan of just, entitlement programs, just giving people something for nothing without having skin in the game. Now, obviously this is still going to require skin in the game. They've also reduced the time from four years to three years, which was an innovation they did a few years ago. So we'll watch that. We'll watch how that turns out. You know, we, I've talked about other programs where there is now a one year program. It's not a fully certified four-year bachelor's degree, but um, employers don't seem to care. But it's a one-year program where, again, the students go at no cost at all. But then when they get a job and they're highly recruited because they've, they're learning really marketable, useful skills, they're highly recruited. And then they repay the school 15% of their income for the first three years. I mean, I love these kind of programs. Well, here's some more information along that line. I've got a guide that somebody sent to me. People send me some really cool resources. And this is an online schools guidebook. Now, it's, it's, it's the learnhowtobecome.org site. But I'll put a link to this book. It's a very robust guide to online schools. So you may want to continue the current job you've got. A lot of people are doing that. I mean, we know a young girl who just graduated from high school and simultaneously, the same week, she got her associate's degree, her two-year college degree. Now, how cool is that? 17 years old, and she got her high school diploma and her two-year associate's degree because she was doing online work in advance from the school that she wants to go to. Now, she is going to go there and spend two years just because she wants the on-campus experience. But, I mean, what a great head start to be able to do that. So we've got this online schools guidebook. I'll put it in the podcast notes for today. Also, I'm going to put in there a guide for college students with disabilities. And this is something we're contacted a lot about, you know, somebody's blind or they're 
quadriplegic. Oh my gosh, quadriplegic. I can't say that word today. I apologize. Anyway, if you are disabled or know somebody that is, we've got a guide that really opens up resources for people like that as well. All right, let's go into some more some more good news here. Here's a nonprofit that lifts the spirits of lonely seniors, logging more than one million phone calls. Now, what this is, is just simply isolated seniors, seniors who may live alone, and there's a volunteer organization that calls them once a day just to check in on them, but more than anything, just to encourage it, to give them that human touch kind of connection. I mean, older people we know, the older people who are lonely are more likely to develop dementia than their socially connected peers. In fact, loneliness produces physical effects that are among the most problematic in modern medicine says Linda Whiteside, the Telephone Reassurance Program Manager. This is a program, now this is happening in Sacramento. I mean, but if you want to volunteer for that, you can. And I'll put the phone number where you can volunteer for that. If you want to just spend an hour a day or an hour a week where you just go through the dial, just the phone numbers of lonely people, call them. I mean, what a cool thing. And if you want to start your own program, they've got some information for you about that as well. Well, how about this? You want a better night's sleep? I already told you about Casper, but there's some other things you can do. A lot of people talk about having problems sleeping. Well, there are five plants specifically that can help you sleep better at night. And this shouldn't be any surprise. I mean, you're going to recognize some of these, but if you want uh, better sleep, you're looking for a way to toward better sleep. You know, how you arrange your bedroom has a lot to do with that. And as an example, you know, they talk about watching blue lights or some kind of a screen right before you go to bed is disturbing to your REM sleep real early on in the sleep cycle. So you don't want to do that. Joanne and I always read when we go to bed. We have never in our 50 years of marriage never had a TV in our bedroom. We just don't think it fits. That's not a place for a TV. So it's great for other things. We want to be settling down and we're very intentional about making the bedroom a place that is peaceful, comfortable, soft, and, and Joanne's a master at including sounds and smells that add to that peaceful feeling as well. So here's five plants that you can use that are going to add lavender. I mean, this is a plant that can lower your blood pressure and heart rate. I mean, I have a little, uh, we also have all kinds of other little things that we've appreciated over the years that people have given us, but I have a little, it's like a little pillow. And then I take lavender drops and put it on there and then just put the pillow like on my forehead while I'm reading. So you get that soft touch and also the aroma of lavender, but you can actually have a lavender plant. The lavender plant has been shown to reduce crying and stress in infants. Well, another one is jasmine with its beautiful white blossoms. It would seem a no-brainer to add jasmine to your household. Oh, it's proven to increase restful sleep, decrease anxiety, and even lead to a heightened mental performance. Aloe vera. Now, these are really just common plants. So we got lavender, jasmine, aloe vera. Aloe vera actually improves air quality by absorbing debris, microbes, and other harmful sleep-disturbing air particles. English ivory comes in at number four. Uh, this plant, as you know, golly, I, I, we started some just outside our big picture window in our house, right next to a water feature we have by the sidewalk. Well, it's gone crazy at this point. We'd like to get rid of some of the English ivory. It's beautiful, but it, um, 
it, it propagates so quickly. You got to watch it, but certainly have a little bit in your bedroom. It's shown to reduce symptoms of allergies and asthma. Also been shown to reduce the amount of airborne mold by 78% in just 12 hours. So if you've got kind of a musty smell in your bedroom, can I get some English Ivy? And then the last one is peace lily. This is another superstar air purifier. Peace lilies also act as mild humidifiers, which can help keep your sinuses moist and clear through the winter. Well, there you go. Simple solutions. Lavender, jasmine, aloe vera, English ivy, peace lily. In your bedroom for a better sleep. Combine it with your Casper mattress, you're going to be transformed. Well, this question comes from Kurt who says, I'm just getting in the 48 days book and resources. And it's exciting. My question is, I've been at the same company and job coming up on 20 years. My position has changed a few times over that period. However, I've been in the same lower management position for eight plus years and have tried several times over the last four to five years to move up, but keep hitting roadblocks. I feel stuck and frustrated and that the skills I have and would like to put to better use are overlooked and I'm being passed over. My yearly reviews are very good to outstanding. My attendance and work ethic are very good. I almost feel that I'm being kept there for that. Three supervisors have come and gone. Three directors have been here and gone. Thoughts or suggestions would be appreciated. Well, Kurt, yeah, you can test your theory on this real quick. And sure, I mean, a company may love to keep you there. If you're just willing to stay there, willing to stay in the position that you are and willing to you know, not get promotions and bonuses and raises. Sure. They may love having you there. I mean, we know that on the disc profile, companies love people who are high S and C. They tend not to be troublemakers. They're loyal. They're stable. They're predictable. My goodness. Yeah. Companies love people like that. who will just stay in a position. You can test the water in this real quick without rocking the boat at all. You need to do a job search, put together a current updated resume based on skills that you've refined and developed over the, these eight years and more that you've been there. Do a job search, identify 20 to 30 companies right there in your area where you know, you'd be a candidate where you have skills, you know, those companies could you do a job search. You can test out real quickly. Are you undercompensated? Are you underemployed? Are there opportunities? So, you know, we know that in t- inside a company, t- people tend to get, even if they're doing really well, they tend to get three to 4% increases because companies, you know, they aren't going to come and say, gee, you've done such a great job. We're going to double your pay. But people do that every day by changing companies, realizing the position they were in, they were underemployed, undercompensated. So you do a job search, you can test this out. If you do a job search and you find that you can double or triple your income, obviously you need to exit, give them a two week notice and you're gone. If you do a job search and you have 10 interviews and you get three job offers and they're all at your current or lower salary, then it gives you the feedback that you need. Now, I don't know what kind of position you're in or what your income is, but just test it by going outside the company and doing doing a job search. That's exactly what I would encourage you to do. Well, hey, just a quick reminder here, a little background music there. No, we're not finished. Just a reminder that we are into real life questions. I love getting your questions. It's a highlight of my week to pop into that mailbox every week, especially, you know, it's funny, the weeks we travel where I may 
uh, do two podcasts and then come back to two weeks of questions. And oh my goodness, it's smorgasbord to go in there and see the amazing questions that you submit. So I love having you continue doing that. You can also share good news stories, as a lot of you do, or share your own success stories. Or if you have a question that you'd like for us to unpack here, uh, the easiest way is just to shoot an email to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. And the email is askdan at 48days.com. That comes right into that mailbox, and I'm the only one that sees it. You know, it's interesting. We, I mean, people you know, try to get in touch with me in lots of different ways, and lots of different email addresses go to people on our support team, and that's fine. But as more people understand that I really do see those that come in to Ask Dan, um, they include a whole lot of other things there as well which I scan through quickly. Yeah, about 50% of the questions or the, the emails that I get really don't relate to questions for the podcast. I may have to change, maybe it's time to change that. You know how to change that and just share it with you who are regular podcast listeners and I could really clean that up. You know, that's a pretty good idea. I probably ought to do that. Well, this one comes from John who says, Dan, I was listening to one of your recent podcasts and something really caught my attention. During the call you were responding to a question about intellectual property. You gave an example of how someone had bought out the rights to a burn or cut healer that was originally designed for pets, but now that person who bought the rights chose to market it for human use. This is very interesting to me and I never thought of doing this. My background is in mechanical engineering, which I love, and I've struggled with trying to come up with this great invention. I've never thought of cheaply purchasing the rights to a design that never did well and looked for ways to improve it or change the way it is marketed. Uh, but my wife's background is in marketing. Lucky me. Well, John, yeah, I mean, you can get rich by making something 10% better or coming up with a better use for it. Now you mentioned, it's interesting you mentioned this because I just talked to the gentleman that you reference here, and this has been years ago where I talked to a gentleman who had this compound. It was humane healing for dogs and cats, but they knew that the product worked really well for human conditions as well. It cuts, burns, hemorrhoids, a whole bunch of things. Well, he gave me a couple tubes of that, and a couple of years ago, I was playing with uh, some of my grandkids and one of them, you know, challenged me to a race. Well, I don't back down from challenges. So I took off. Well, we came around the corner. It was one of the parks downtown Nashville. I was racing Ellie, my granddaughter. And she was probably, she was probably, let me think a minute. She was probably maybe six years old at the time. We came around the corner and the sidewalk came up. It elevated up. And I wasn't expecting that. And somehow it just threw off my balance and I face planted. I mean, I face planted really, really big time. The next morning, my face looked like somebody went after me with a shovel. Well, it was interesting. That was on a Wednesday. On a Friday, I took a picture of my face. <laughs> I wanted to document it, but I also sent it to a project director. There was a TV video team that was coming in from CBN over in Virginia. They were going to be here on Monday morning for two days of taping a new show with me. So this was Friday. My face was scabbed and looked horrendous. However, I also have a Monday picture. I ought to put those up. It's pretty scary to put up. I don't know that I ever will. But anyway, I've shown it to 
some people, but the, the transformation between Friday and Monday is just beyond description. And I used that humane healing salve for dogs. That is the only thing I used. And the healing was just unbelievable. Now, again, it so happens I talked to him. The gentleman's name is Sam Savage. And he sold the rights to that to 3M. It's now being marketed as a component in some of the bandages you buy with that salve already in it which I, oh, geez, I forget the name of it. It's like Telegrade or something. I ought to, I should have remembered the name. But that just happened this week where I happened to talk to Sam again. I shot him a note uh, just asking um, because I know he's a guy who builds businesses and sells them, and I wanted to know what he was up to now. Had a great conversation with him. But now back to this idea of getting something, getting intellectual rights to something. There are tons and tons of products like that out there. I mean, we know that about 90% of products that are developed are never marketed outside of that country. Now that seems strange when we have a global economy and you can put things online, but there's still lots and lots of things you can discover in other countries that have never been introduced to the United States. If you get distribution rights, you can make millions doing that. Here, here's some other examples. Melvin Powers, probably not alive anymore. He would have been pretty old back in the day when I knew him, but uh, he made millions of dollars by purchasing the rights to books that had not done well. I mean, he made household name books like Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. I mean, books that were really good, but just hadn't been marketed well. He would get those. He would market those directly. Direct mail marketing is how he did that. So if you bought a copy of a book, then it would be stuffed full of promotional material for other books that he had. Just brilliant marketing. And so he would cross-sell his books like that. But he was a very, very wealthy man as a result of doing that. Not being an author himself, but buying the rights to books that just needed to be marketed better. And my goodness, that's an idea you can take to the bank today. I mean, there's millions of books out there that have not sold 500 copies. But with the right audience, the right marketing could be books that sell 100,000 copies. Sure, I'm very confident of that. I talk about books in the public domain often. You know, I've always threatened that one year, I'd like to take an entire year and do nothing but just research things that are in the public domain. Just old manuscripts, old books that are very, very valuable. The principles are timeless, but they were never marketed so that people would recognize them. So, you know, things like Acres of Diamonds that are out there, but there are certainly other lesser known ones that have big potential as well. I bought the rights to a little book one time I pulled a coffee off a shelf here as I was just reading this note, but it was titled The Little Book of Big Ideas. It was written by a local gentleman here in the healthcare industry, and it was a delightful little book about just how to build your creativity. Well, he died and the publisher went out of business, but it was a book that we had been selling. So I contacted the publisher and said, you know, hey, I'm sure you've got a place for a lot of your inventory, but I'm interested in this one book only. And in a three-minute conversation, I purchased the rights to that book. So I didn't put any of the blood, sweat, and tears into the book. I purchased it, purchased it for $1,000. So I got the, the manuscript, the cover copy, and the whole thing to do with what I wish to do. Now, in that case, what happened, the idea grew some and I ended up uh, turning it over to Joanne, my wife, because she was developing so much content on creativity. She used some of the basics in there and developed her own book, Be Your Finest Art. 
Now, it's, that's a much bigger book, and it doesn't have much resemblance to the little book that I purchased, but it still was part of that process, leading her to seeing the potential for doing her own very, very beautiful work on being your finest art. Well, that's in the book arena. There are a lot of other areas like that, but just repurposing things. I mean, think about the things that are common ingredients, but that you could repurpose to make a more desirable, a more profitable product. We were at a restaurant recently down in the Fort Myers area where Thomas Edison was, and there's a a restaurant that is all the Ford theme, Ford cars theme. So there's car parts everywhere. Well, guess what the napkins are? They literally are grease rags. I really like that. They're just that blue rough material that are grease rags, but they use that as napkins. I mean, I like seeing things that are repurposed, used in other ways. You know, there is an old, old product. Now, you probably have to be a farmer to even recognize this, but it was called Bag Bomb. It was, uh, you open up this big can. It had a just a, a lid on it, take that off, and we would rub that on the cow's udders to keep them from getting really chapped during the winter. Well, that's what it was introduced for, but any farmer can tell you, my goodness, that's the best skin cream you could possibly come up with. So even though it was designed for use on cows, any farmer I knew and his family would use that just to keep your hands soft and smooth during the winter as well. I mean, think about things like duct tape. I mean, that was made initially as a military product just to keep the ammunition cases dry. Well, when's the last time you saw an ammunition case being kept dry with duct tape? But how many of you use duct tape for something else? The uses for that are just unlimited. I mean, being a car guy, I can't describe the number of times I've used it to patch a hole in a muffler, you know, to hold a part on, to keep a window up. I mean, just you do anything with duct tape and it goes on and on. Same thing with WD-40. Wow, what it was designed for. I mean, you can jump on and you'll find things, you know, 101 uses of WD-40. It's used for everything. Use it on bicycles, you know, squeaky door hinges, and the list goes on and on and on. Well, there, I've talked about the wood chips that we have here in our property. Now, these are trash. The companies that come through and clear the lines for our power lines trim back the trees. Now, these guys aren't very popular in the community because uh, they don't do a real nice job of uh, pruning things. They just whack away. So they're not, and what they do is they sneak out with their load of wood chips way out in the country and it goes essentially to a landfill, a dump, where it's going to be just buried or burned. I allow them graciously, kind as I am, to bring those wood chips onto our property. And I've had tens and tens of truckloads of those brought onto our property here. I've used them to cover entire areas, big areas that were just originally thorn brush and rock. So I create these newly landscaped areas. Our nature trails every year get a new fresh coat of wood chips. We have playground areas for the grandkids. I mean, those are all things that I do with the wood chips. My neighbors are like, wow, can I buy some of your wood chips? I'm like, good grief. 
You know, if you weren't so mean to these guys that are cutting the trees, you could have had some too, but help yourself. I've never charged anybody for them. I allow people to take what they want from my pile, but it's a way to repurpose what other people see as trash. So yeah, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, keep your eyes open for things that have a common use where you know you could be, you could reuse that. I mean, think about the things that have been done in the, for pets or animals. If it's repurposed for human use, it's probably going to get it about a 10 times price increase and you see things that are well even you know things that are medicinal obviously things you can go out and pull out of your garden if that's packaged by a pharmaceutical company it's going to cost you you know 50 dollars for a little pill but think about the things that you could reuse and there is a lot of intellectual property out there that has not been developed whether it's book software phone app or whatever where you may be able to purchase that very reasonably and then do a good job of marketing and have that be your, your gold mine. You know, you don't have to come up with something brand new and original to get rich. I mean, the easiest way is to increase how something's being used by 10%, just a better way to use it or a way to provide added value to a common ordinary product. A lot of stories about that. Well, I'm going to move on here. Kim says, I greatly enjoy your podcast. Recently listened to 48 Days to the Work You Love on audio, but there was so much great actionable content that I purchased the book so I could walk through the process day by day. My husband and I have a part-time photography business and my husband's very passionate about and talented at motorsport photography. He has a great online portfolio adding to it regularly. His dream race is to photograph the 24-hour Le Mans. I know you have a passion for cars and would appreciate your advice on how to grow a business when there's such a passion and talent for a niche market. Also, how can I, as his wife, support him in this dream? Thank you for all you do in helping others create a fulfilling life. Well, Kim, this is one of those situations where I, I don't have all the answers, but I know somebody does. I mean, we talked earlier about, you know, three people that have helped you on your road to success. Well, I'm going to introduce you to somebody here that may help you do exactly what you want to do. And his name is Vincent Puglisi. Now, Vincent was a photographer, a, a photojournalist. I mean, he was making in the mid-30s in his income. Loved what he was doing, but he thought, man, you know, what is the irony here that I love what I'm doing, but I'm not making enough to support my family? His wife was working as well as a photographer. So they started doing weddings, started expanding and all that. But he came to one of our early Innovate conferences we had several years ago, where we help people really develop their unique ideas, their unique expertise, their passions, their talents. And we looked at the idea of developing his expertise, what he knew, into a course. He created a course, a photography course, teaching parents how to take those really great shots of their kids in sports. So it reminded me of that when I read yours here, your husband likes to do motorsport photography. Well, Vincent was doing sports photography. That's really what he did. And he did, he got where he was doing, um, the Stanley cup, you know, the super bowl, all the biggies, you know, he was then doing those because his photography was that good. He'd be called on by a magazine. Hey, we want you to go get 10 shots at this event. And he would do that, but he created this course and in introducing the course on a Friday night, he generated more income in a 24-hour period than he had been generating previously in his annual salary. So what I want you to do is jump on some of the things that Vincent is doing now 
to share how to expand your photography business, just like you're asking about for your husband. Wow, if he wants to photograph the 24-hour Le Mans, God, what a neat experience that would be. And do I believe that's possible? 100%. Absolutely. So, um, Vincent Puglisi is his name. If you go to the Business of Photography Academy, Business of Photography Academy, you're going to find it there. He also has a, a free Facebook group. It's the Freelance to Freedom Tribe. Now, Vincent has written a book, Freelance to Freedom, that he's being very innovative with again and how he's doing that to market that and get it out there. I'll, I'll tell you real quick what happened. He talked to Seth Godin, actually got an endorsement from Seth Godin and then saw Seth in person shortly after the book came out. And he asked Seth, you know, what should I do to really market this book? Seth said, give away 10,000 copies, then come back and we'll talk. That was it. You know, Seth, right to the point, no smoke and mirrors, give away 10,000 copies. Well, Vincent has taken him very seriously. I'm helping him with that. I've given away tons of that book to people who can benefit from it. Um, matter of fact, I need to send you a copy of that, Kim. I need to get your address here and send you a copy of Freelance to Freedom, Vincent's book. But he's doing that, and then he'll go back and talk to Seth. But you know what's happening. As he's doing that, other opportunities are exploding. It's not about selling the book. It's about the opportunities that doing that in an innovative way are opening up. So he has online groups, courses, things like this that are just rocking for him. Well, let me, let me move on here. Ann says, Dan, I'm in my late thirties. I've been diagnosed with a chronic condition that makes it difficult to walk or even stand. Sometimes some days I feel mostly normal, but other days I'm walking and holding on to the walls, brain fog, and extremely fatigued. When I first became ill, I missed three weeks of work. I'm concerned because I need to earn an income. The job I have requires me to stand and walk long distances. I facilitate groups and do presentations in four junior high and high schools discussing the dangers of drugs, how to deal with anger, peer pressure, etc. Any suggestions on what I should do? Yes, two suggestions, and You've been diagnosed in your late 30s, diagnosed with a chronic condition that makes it difficult to walk or even stand. Number one, I'll, I'll go with them in this order. I could go with any, either order. Number one, find things that you can do using your expertise. The dangers of, of drugs, the presentations you're doing, using your expertise there, you could create a seminar where it's just a three-hour seminar, where it's not a long day of standing. You could turn that into a course where you can do the video when you feel great. And turn that into a course and do exactly what Vincent did and make more money than you're ever going to do speaking in high school and junior high schools by selling a course on the expertise that you have. You know, you could write a book, you could do an ebook, you know, there's, you could have speaking engagements that are only 45 minutes long talking about your journey and that area of expertise. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. You know, I'd recommend that you create that Venn diagram that I talk about three interlocking circles where you have then seven distinct areas of ways you could use your expertise, but not have to be standing up and walking. Okay. That was number one. Number two, don't just accept the diagnosis. Now you say you've been diagnosed with a chronic condition that makes it difficult to walk or even stand. I don't know what that is but that's pretty nebulous. And I would say, don't accept the diagnosis. I mean, how many people are there who are diagnosed with you know, multiple sclerosis and decided, I'm not going to let that define me. 
I mean, I'm describing now my own wife, Joanne, 18 years ago, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. You should see her today. You never know that. Now, are there times when she's fatigued and needs to rest? Yes. Are there certain times when she has a little tingling on her right side? Yes. But she just decided, wow, you know, she's not going to let that be what defines her. I mean, look at people who are diagnosed with, you know, major diseases and they take a very alternative approach. I mean, I would encourage you to pull out all the stops. Don't just take a medical person's opinion on this. I mean, for one thing, visit four or five medical people on this. I mean, see, my goodness, see a massage therapist, go to an acupuncture person, um, go to a chiropractor, you know, see an energy healer. I mean, get creative about the things that you can do before you just accept the fact that this is going to determine your life, the rest of your life when you're in your late thirties. Now, boy, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's fibromyalgia or ADHD, we can go on and on and on with all the popular diagnoses that are given out there to explain kind of hard to understand ailments. Boy, just don't go there. Don't accept that. That would be my biggest, my biggest input. Don't accept it. All right, let me grab a couple more here. Let's see. Carla says, I've set up a website and blog for senior pastors to assist them in leading with greater impact in matters related to church. My partner and I had a teaching and magazine ministry business for 10 years. We were incorporated, but never paid a salary. We dissolved the partnership and ministry in 2010, mostly because we could not afford to keep it running. Since that time, I set out on my own to come up with a ministry whereby I can be a resource to clergy and church leadership. My question is, I'm incurring expenses. Since I'm working from my home, do I document these expenses on my taxes? But I have not set up an official LLC. My question is, can I wait until I start making money before I make this venture official? Well, a couple responses here, Carla, to what you're doing. I mean, I commend you on your heart for what you're doing, um, but I'm probably not going to embrace the way that you're wanting to do it. To start with, yes, you can deduct the expenses you have now. I mean, go ahead and show it as a real business. Even if you haven't incorporated or set it up as an LLC, that doesn't matter. You can do that later, but you can describe it as a real business where your real goal is to ultimately make money. So you can deduct the expenses that you have. You can lose money three out of five years. Now, if you lose money every year, the IRS considers it an expensive hobby. They're not going to believe that it was really a business. So you can't continue just to deduct forever those business losses. Now, the other part of what you're talking about, you want to have this business where you are a resource to clergy and church leaders. I mean, when you, when you talk about, you know, we get terms that are kind of nebulous here. When we talk about you want to have a ministry, I mean, that's fine. But we, I almost assume with that, ooh, that means you're going to have a nonprofit and you're going to be asking other people to make donations so you can continue to do that. That's not the only way to have a ministry where you provide resources to clergy and church leadership. There are tons of things you can do. I mean, look at, uh, look at, you know, look at Dave Ramsey. You know, does he have a ministry providing resources to clergy and church leadership? Yeah, you better believe it. And he makes millions and millions of dollars doing that. I mean, there's certainly a lot of other examples in that. So don't think that you have to be a nonprofit in order to serve ministry and church leadership people. Nope, not at all. So I would, I would encourage you to create, you know, I want that sweet blend that we talk about that three-legged stool where we have passion, talent, and money. Again, 
If you have passion and talent, but no money, it's nothing but a hobby. It's not a real business. It's not a career, but I encourage you create an economic model. How could this work? Where are the income streams that could come from this? And there's many, many that could be put together based exactly on what you're doing. This comes from Jonathan. Just a quick note. Hey, Dan, I'm still working on the advice you gave me a couple of weeks ago, but currently living a success. I recently switched jobs from a corporate retail setting to a small business setting and have managed to double my income. No pay raise, just more hours than the corporate job ever gave me and my family. And, and the family I work for treats me so much better. Here's to listening to podcasts, reading books, and actually taking the initiative when an opportunity presents itself. I think I doubled my income in less time than your challenge allots for. That's awesome, Jonathan. I love those stories. You know, I've got some challenges out there to you know, read good books, and you can double your income in six months. I got a lot of people taking me up in that challenge. And he says, I think I doubled my income in less time than your challenge. That's pretty cool. All right, one more quick one here. Uh, Joe, Joe says, Dan, I love your podcast. Um, I have an idea for a new nonfiction book that would likely have help millennials as it it's tar or have millennials as its target audience and already have most of the book outlined. I know this generation thinks and absorbs information much differently than mine. I, he's a Gen X. Can you recommend a writing style that might be more conducive to attracting this audience? Are short blog like entries better than long form writing? I'm thinking about Seth Godin typically organizes his books. Any other writing suggestions you might have toward this audience would be appreciated. Well, I think the, your, your basic premise is true. I mean, people's reading styles are different. What we used to consider um, reputable trade book to be 240 pages, 72,000 words long. There's a lot of books out there. There are people like Ken Blanchard who says he'll never write a traditional book again. He writes books that are maybe 70,000 pages or, or 70 pages with a whole lot of, a whole lot of, golly, just white space or even cartoons in them. So there's a lot of that in there then you can do that i mean you can use what is it manga which is kind of a car a japanese cartoon style so yeah you can get by with books that have a lot of white space in them have open space seth is a master at that you can certainly do that as well uh, the books that i put together my more recent books are more a blog style for sure i mean there is even wisdom eats passion that's a compilation of blogs that I had written in the two years prior to that coming out. So you can open the book at any given point and read for three minutes. I mean, the, my little book, The Rudder of the Day, people love that because it's not like start to finish and you have to really develop the concept all the way through. No, it's just very quick. You go through, open it at any place. So those are more conducive for the readership of millennials today. No doubt about it. Well, golly. Let's, uh, we're going to just wrap this up here. Great questions. Again, submit your questions to me at askdan at 48days.com. Remember our challenge for today was to figure out, you know, who are three people that you could contact that could really elevate your success here in the last quarter of the year? Who are those people? How can you get in touch with them? Spend a lunch with them. Spend an afternoon with them. You know, pick their brain. I mean, read their books, go to their workshops and seminars. That's a great way to get in touch with people. I mean, we're uh, right on top this weekend. Here is the Cliff Ravenscraft's Free the Dream Conference. I'm looking forward to that. Meeting the people that have invested in themselves by being there. 
I'll create a lot of new friendships there. People have asked me to, you know, go to lunch, go to dinner. I'm very open to doing that. I love it when people do that, take the initiative and provide value in their lives that can help them move forward. So make sure you're doing that. But hey, thanks for being part of this growing group. You know what's coming. We're, we're, pe- we're different. We're not normal. We're weird. We know without doubt we can either find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You don't have to settle for less. Hey, have a great week. We'll be back here next week with 48 Days Radio. Let it go It's gonna take